0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade, boulder dash. Just pull apart with your hands and
1: marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. (laughs) Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue box. Presenting Kyle
0: Brand. Thank you, Bruce, and welcome to an episode of 10 Questions. Another episode, an important episode. If you've listened before, you know the deal. We do not have guests, we have contestants, we don't just have conversations, we have competitions, and everybody leaves with the final score. If you want a little context for how some of our prior contestants have done on their final score, I have something I think you should listen to. Have a listen. To this. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got six out of 10. I'm Tyler Matthew, and I got a six out of 10. Hi, I'm
1: Paul Rudd, and I got a seven out of 10. Hey, I'm Kirk Cousins, and I got a five out of 10.
0: I'm Guy Fieri, and I got six out of 10. It's Kyle Cheats.
2: Hey, I'm Aaron Andrews. I got a five out of 10.
0: Hey, I'm Steve Smith Sr., and I got my ass kicked, and I got three out of 10. That's the low man. Three out of 10. King Rudd still at seven out of 10. But this contestant represents a fascinating entry into the ring. Let's start our guest entry music. Turn off the lights, play the guest entry music, because this is a very successful guy. I met him a long time ago when he was going through a big tequila phase. He's gotten big in the world because he was willing to ask the tough questions like, Is Roger Clemens the Antichrist? He majored in Middle East political science at Holy Cross, holy shit, where he also launched a newsletter called The Velvet Edge, and he brought his big-ass movie camera with him everywhere he went. I want to get my hands on that footage. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Simmons. Bill, welcome to 10 Questions. It's great to be here. It, It only means that somebody canceled last minute if I'm here, but it's fine. My feelings aren't hurt at all. You are my my Al Roker for Conan O'Brien. Just bring him up two floors and sit down for me. It's like Marv Albert, you. Marv Albert on Letterman. Marv, can you get up on up here? Somebody's not here. Billy Idol just overdosed in his dressing room. You got to get us get Please him. Please help us, Marv. And you're here in the esteemed seat of Marv Albert. Bill, when Aaron Andrews came on, the first thing she said was, "All I want to do is beat Aaron Rodgers' ass. That is my goal for this. Do you have a goal?
1: No, I mean, it would be embarrassing if I couldn't beat Steve Smith. What did he get, three? <laughs> three out of ten. That's the low man. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Two out of ten. I don't want. I just don't want to
0: be last. I okay. don't care where I end up as long as I'm not last. You know, we always go over this with the staff. We look through the questions, and every time I'm like, this is too easy. Simmons is going to get a nine out of ten. They're like, no, 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 it's hard. We'll, I think I got a seven or eight out of ten in my hand right here, but there's only one way to find out. It's, Bill, you understand the game. Well, um, people are
1: going to think we rigged it if I have the highest score. If I get higher than Paul Rudd, people are like, oh, they tipped you off. That did occur to me.
0: But so we'll see how it goes. If we get through it and you're like five out of five, we may have to ice you or something like that or do a steel chair. Call <laughs> will we'll see how you start. We're going to use our 20, our full timeouts. You bring, get 10 in, questions. bring in Scott Foster to give me two touch fouls. Get me out of the game. Ten questions, each worth one point, Bill. If you get the, the answer right, you're going to hear a sound. It's going to sound like this. It's a badass sound. However, yeah. in the event that you totally whiffed and I hooked you and you get it wrong, it's going to sound like this. Legions of disappointed fans. And there's oh, the fake one- crowd
1: noise. I'm so used yeah, to it now. After
0: <clears throat> six months of sports. It's great. We recorded that at Heinz Field. It's the actual really authentic fake crowd noise. <laughs> Daphne, uh, the one wild card you have in your pocket, Bill, is if at one point you have no clue, like I pulled something out and you're like, I, I, I got zero on this. Ask for the coin toss and I will give you a choice between two, qu- two answers, one or two. Just simple. It's a coin toss. You can call for it anytime you want. Keep it in your back pocket. Okay. okay. Here we go. 10 questions with Bill Simmons. Question number one. Bill, your category is Jim Carrey. Who plays Seabass in Dumb and Dumber? Now, that's easy. You threw me a a layup.
1: I watch this movie with my kids all the time. It was a guy who was on pace to become the second greatest Bruin of all time until Ulf Samuelson cruelly and disgustingly uh, took him out. And he was never the same in the 91 playoffs when I really loved hockey. His name is Cam Neely. He was Seabass. Legendary role and uh, almost as good as him scoring fifty in fifty games. I think in nineteen ninety four.
0: You know why you love Simmons because he shows his work. He says Cam Neely is he right? Yeah. All right. Here's the question, Bill. Do you think that five six years from now, that Cam Neely will still be the most legendary Boston area Cam? Great question. Where are you with it right now? You've been very excited about Cam Newton. We're recording this on Monday. He has COVID. It sucks. He's not going to be playing in the game. And yet, it's been a party. And I know you've loved the Cam ride for a while.
1: Cam Neely is going to going to trump him unless Cam can actually win the Super Bowl. Cam Neely was never able to win the Stanley Cup. The 88 team made the finals. The 90 team was really good. And that they, it came down to this uh, triple overtime game. Game one. And I feel it, it hit a point where whoever won the game was going to win the Stanley Cup. That team was loaded. And Peter Cleam ended up getting the game winner. And then the Bruins lose. But he people love hockey in Boston and people really love the Bruins back then on par with the Celtics. And Cam was a force of nature. So so Cam Newton, I feel like, would have to be here for I don't know, six, seven years and would have to win a Super Bowl probably to pass him. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they were going to sign him. I thought they were going to extend him. They have all this cap space. As usual, they have like 30 million bucks in cap space, which I I think Bob Kraft just feels like he just gets in suitcases of cash if they don't spend it. I don't understand it, Mm -hmm. but I would have locked him up. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's going to be in and out in a year. I could totally see him signing somebody somewhere else next year for 100 million bucks as everybody stares at each other and goes, wait, what happened?
0: Didn't we, we just have Cam guy. Newton five seconds ago and we had breaks yeah. before that? But I mean, it's that's also a very Boston way of looking at it, Bill. That's like a very glass is half empty. Yeah, he's gonna leave us. Like, it's pretty awesome right now, right? I agree. Like,
1: that's why I want to lock it down. Lock him down four or five years. Let's, let's, let's run it.
0: Where are you at emotionally right now? We're coming off a football weekend in which your ex, your, your ex-wife, ex-husband in Tampa like had it all going on and was in shape and drove by in a corvette and a new car and a new significant other like Brady looked amazing H- how are you doing with that emotionally well he did throw a pick six <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> he his fourth pick six in six games right uh i thought i would be rooting for him more i'm actually just rooting against him it's how it's come? total yeah I, it, it it would hurt too much if he did well i don't know why i just i want him to have his best moments with the patriots and when bad things happen during games for him, mm-hmm. I find myself secretly being kind of fired up for it. Even this weekend when I bet on Tampa and a tease and I was supposed right. to be rooting for him, but he threw the pick six. So I was like, Oh, he's done. It's over. Put a fork in him. Thank God. He's not a Patriot anymore. And I don't know why that's my
0: default. It's just, it's kind of like a sickness. And then he threw five touchdowns. And are you saying, was there a part of you that's like, that's our Tommy. Like that, that's our number twelve. Or is it it's a clean no. break and you don't have you don't have any of that after 20 years?
1: No, because that the Chargers died in the second half of that game. Their pass rush died. Yeah, no, they always I do. thought he threw a couple up for grabs. The Chargers mismanaged the clock. It was twenty-four seven, a minute left. And somehow yeah. the Bucs ended up the Chargers had the ball under a minute. And some of the Bucks ended up getting another thing. I still believe that if he's going against a good defense that can pressure him. I think he's too old, and I'm going to be in that camp. I think he's going to have games moments where he looks really good for a given week, but I just think there's certain throws he can't make anymore, and I don't think he can move. And it's a little bit of fool's gold, in my opinion.
0: Well, it might be the real thing. And have you allowed yourself to wonder after one month, something that is not actually that improbable, have you thought about the New England Patriots versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, Florida, in the Super Bowl?
1: I, at this point, just want there to be a Super Bowl. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Browns-Lions. You'll take (laughs) it. if we have a Super Bowl, that means we completed the season successfully. Bill, you said on the first question that it was an easy one, and then you showed your work and kind of flexed on everybody. So I'm going to transition to question number two, and I know this question is going to drive you crazy. Your category you'll like. The category for question two is home video. However, your question... What Marvel movie features a scene inside of a Blockbuster video store? Well, see, this is a you know, I'm not getting this. I don't watch the Marvel I don't watch the Marvel movies. You are a tycoon of pop culture. Marvel is one of the biggest things in the world. I'm sure you know them. No? No. <laughs> don't watch. them. So, I'm gonna, if it's Blockbuster, I'm going to go
1: mid 2000s because okay. that's probably the last range. So I'm going to go with Iron Man.
0: He says Iron Man. Iron Man, the original Marvel movie. Is Iron Man right? It's not right. We were looking for Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, which just came out last year. She's there. Brie Larson. She's in a blockbuster. Um, in, Bill, why is it? is it? Is it now you've done the thing where you're like, fuck it. I've gone this far. I'm never going to watch them. I'm against them. Or you just, they're just not your thing. The Marvel movies.
1: I like real movies. I like movies with stories and characters instead of movies tied to suits and comic books and weird little fantasy worlds that everybody gets all fired up about. That's just me.
0: Do you consider the Fast and the Furious franchise a real grounded film? No. I consider that to be the James Bond of of,
1: (laughs) uh, the last generation and a half. That's what you want from the James Bond. You want excess... Kind of human superheroes, gadgets, cars, great chase scenes, fights, couple good-looking ladies,
0: one-liners. It's Bond. It's the
1: Fast and Furious has replaced Bond. When was the last time you had like a fun conversation about a Bond movie?
0: Probably Casino Royale, the bleeding eyes. You know, that was a long time ago. And have you seen Casino Royale? Drags A a lot.
1: Fast, fast movies don't drag. Fast movies might drag for like eight minutes, but even then you get to see like Vin Diesel drinking a beer, tilts it. He does. He, he's never, he does it this way. Nobody drinks a beer like that. It just not a person back of the beer. Vin doesn't care.
0: Yeah. It, it's funny you say that because you look at Casino Royale and it's something you often say in the Rewatchables podcast, which is, eh, it could have cut 20 minutes out of this. Eh, oh, maybe yeah. 15 minutes too long. I bring up Blockbuster. The tie to this question is, is of course, Rewatchables, the podcast you do... And it's my favorite podcast on the internet, in the world. You've been on it. I have been on it. I did Teen Wolf. I'm wearing my Teen Wolf shirt today. Uh, we went We should, we
1: should announce now. Or do you,
0: me, and Sour are doing a very famous movie next month, but I won't say the movie. It's, it's almost like, listen, you've done a, dozens and dozens of Rewatchables episodes. This, this is a big one. It is. I mean, it's, it's one of one. the biggest ones. You were honored it's, to get the call. Honored, it doesn't even begin to do it justice. I thought, I thought you were messing with me. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to get to do that movie? This yeah. is the Citizen Kane of Rewatchables movies. I think. Yeah. yeah, people are going to be surprised. Bill, for people who haven't heard, define for me the category. What does the Dion Waiters Award and Rewatchables mean? Dion Waiters Award. So you have the Oscars, and it's yeah. Best
1: Actor, Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Actress, and nobody else is covered, basically. And There's this... You know, there's a sweet spot where a character who's not the most essential character, but also doesn't have like the, you know, awesome supporting part, like Jack Nicholson in terms of endearment, something like that. But as somebody who just comes off the bench firing and hits some threes and gets the crowd into the game and every minute they play, you look at it and you're like, man. 18 minutes, it's seven threes. This is an incredible <laughs> performance. Like Mike Miller, game six, 2012, great Dion yeah. Waiters performance, right? I think he had six threes. So I think a good example, Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. Sure. James Gum. Yep. Probably in four scenes, maybe five. He's got mm-hmm. the scene in the van. He's trying to get something in his van, gets a lady in the van. Right. Then a couple scenes with the, with the, whatchamacallit, the dungeon. With the lady, he's got Precious, Precious, then she takes Precious. Don't you hurt my dog, lady! And then the last scene with Jody Foster. So he's in it probably a total of, I don't know, 14 minutes. But he crashes the boards, got a ton of rebounds. A lot of hustle, loose hits balls. Hit some threes, so to speak. Uh, his plus minus was like plus 14. You're like, wow. It was really great. So that's the Dan Waiters Award. And that's a, those are important guys in movies. Chong Lee and Bloodsport,
0: another one a different category in the same show rewatchables from you from bill simmons in 2000 20 years ago what's aged the best what's aged the best from who i was in 2000 yeah
1: probably the work ethic yeah yeah i was really working hard i really wanted it i really uh i went all in and then young people always ask like hey man you know, do you have any tips or, Hey, how, how do I get whatever? And I was like, I just, I don't really have any tips. I just, I just worked my ass off and tried to create my own break. So I don't, it's a really hard thing to give advice for, but it's just like, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't be denied. I kept, you know, pushing and pushing and trying to do everything possible to get people to come to my old website. So somebody would notice me and I could eventually get a job with benefits. And that was really it.
0: Sometimes that's the best advice. You know, but a Blockbuster,
1: you made me think, like, because yeah. I was living in Charlestown back then. We used to have the Blockbuster in Charlestown. Okay. And they used to have those big, those stand-up things that they would have. You know, the they'd put outs. in the corner, like some sure. new movie, like E.T., 25th anniversary, and it'd be like yep. a whole big, giant thing. So they had, um, I was living with my buddy Jeff, and our favorite movie, one of the reasons we became best friends was Halloween. We just loved Halloween sure. and that when we were in high school together. And uh and the Halloween 20th anniversary was coming out. So they like re-released Halloween on whatever. And they had this giant Myers cutout. This was like 96, 97. And he he goes in, he tells the blockbuster guy, You're gonna you're gonna end up getting some new movie and getting rid of this. Do not throw this out. Here's my number. If when it's time to throw this out, call me. The guy's like, Yeah, sure, whatever. So we're watching. We're watching something one day and the phone rings and I hear Jeff go, really? And he, and he just runs out the door and I don't know what happened. And then he comes back <laughs> with this giant Michael Myers cutout that we then put in our living room Awesome. for the next, I don't know, probably until my wife moved into the same, my future wife moved into the same apartment, but people would come over and they would walk in and there would be this giant Michael Myers cutout, like in the living room, like you'd yeah. immediately see it. And uh, I probably should have put more thought into that, especially being single for a lot of that time.
0: I I would think that here's how I relate to this. And I think a lot of people do back then, it wasn't easy to get cool shit like that. So mm. if you went into a store, like, or if you went into a record store and they had this giant display of like the the album f- cover from Lit or Blur or whoever. You'd be like, "Dude, is there any way I could have that?" Like right. and to have that and bring it home in your room. Like that was the coolest thing ever because you just couldn't get that kind of stuff. You couldn't get a Michael Myers cutout. No, it was pre
1: eBay. So eBay yeah. took off two thousand. I remember because I wrote a column about it, and it was like, "What's this place?" You search stuff, and I could just buy weird things to put in my bedroom or whatever. And yeah, so. Mid-late mid-90s, late 90s, you saw something like that, and it was like, oh my God. I know. I will never see this giant Michael Byers cut out again. I wish I'd kept it though.
0: <laughs> question number three. You're one for two. Let's get clicking. Your category for question number three is breath mints. Bill, what American-made mint went yellow in 2015 to promote the movie Minions. American-made mint. Alright, it's so yellow. The mints went yellow. And it was a Minion promotion. I'm going to say Mentos. Bill says Mentos, the fresh maker. Is he right? Oh, no, that's man. not right. If you think about the shape of a Minion, it's kind of the shape of a little Tic Tac. And they did a special yellow case of Tic Tacs. And why am I asking you about breath and Tic Tacs? Because Tic Tac sounds a lot like TikTok. Tac. I think you do a really delicate balance, which is difficult to do for someone like you and me. How do you do it? What I mean is, how do you stay hip and talk about young, cool things without sounding like a poser who's trying to say the cool terms and keep up with the kids? It's very difficult.
1: Well, it's nice to have, I mean, I have the best litmus test person, my 15-year-old daughter. Because really what you find out, and this I think is a huge thing for Hollywood executives and people like that, is girls between the age of like thirteen to seventeen are like the single wisest person about what's cool, what people want to watch, what music do they want to listen to, things like that. So I think we learn a lot from our kids during this whole thing. But in terms of like try, my whole thing is I've I've always tried to be authentic to whatever I was at, at the point of life I was in. And I remember I used to write about going to Vegas all the time. Yeah, sure. And the last piece I wrote about going to Vegas was when I turned 40, because I'm like, I'm officially too old. Like, yeah. Nobody wants to read the, you know, 43 <laughs> year old guy in Vegas, lighting it up and hey, stay up till six in the morning. And <laughs> oh my God, where's, you know, when I started writing those pieces for my old website, you know, so going all the way through that to when I did the last Vegas thing, and then it's kind of like, all right, it's time, time for me not to do this. So I think you I think a lot of people make mistakes of trying to trying to, um, assume that all the stuff that they cared about when they were either kids, young adults, or adults are stuff that people would care about now. And I'm mm-hmm. always wary of that. I always feel like the, even the movies you mentioned probably have a 25, 30 year shelf life with people, you know, cause I, I remember when columnists used to do, um, like the graduate when I was like you know, in Boston late nights, it's like that scene in The Graduate. I'm like, I don't know what that movie is. It's over 30 years old. Yeah. So, I, sadly, I think that's happening now with all the 80s movies. So, you got to be careful. Like, I, and I don't even know what the cutoff is.
0: I don't either, but they're so good and they're so fun to talk about. You know, I, I just love them so much. And honestly, full disclosure, I once on, on our show in the morning on NFL Network, I made uh, a reference to The Fugitive, which is mm. not even an 80s movie. And it was something about, you know, you switch the samples and eh, whatever. And I got a note, a very friendly note, but from the network being like, you know, I'm not sure that that's the most contemporary reference. It might be lost on some viewers. You might want to do something for a younger audience. And I was like, what am I supposed to do then? Whatever I saw on the TikTok video or some whatever Netflix show I don't watch. Like you you also have to be true to yourself. You know what I mean? Like I love The Fugitive. And I feel like in 30 years from now, I'm still making Richard Kimball references. Yeah, you have to. I I mean,
1: you just can't expect that everybody's probably going to get them, I would say. But some things age, you know? It's like, we were talking about, we did, there was three, for the rewatchables, three movies in the summer of 80 that were like iconic movies. Caddyshack, Blues Brothers, Mm -hmm. Airplane. So like when I was in college, those were like three of the OGs. We all watched a million times. We knew all the lines. Caddyshack's probably the only one that has aged even a little bit in 2020 into like something that people under 25 might know just because of the all the golf stuff. The
0: golfing, yeah.
1: And yeah, it's- but it's certainly not as huge as it was when I did like I handed out Caddyshack quotes for an ESPN Pancom for baseball or football, I can't remember, but like 0102. And when I did it, like it was like the the perfect nostalgia <laughs> point for Caddish. Everybody yeah. had seen it a million times. And now it's like 40 years old. As there's probably most people under 30 haven't seen it. I know. So you just gotta, you have to remember that as you kind of go backwards.
0: I don't think this is a coincidence. All your answers are leading perfectly into the next question, because the next question this is the category called Name the Movie. Now, Bill, normally I play a clip from a movie, and all you have to do is say the name of the movie, and you get the point. We're gonna do a special edition just for you, because I know you love trailers. This is Name the Movie Trailer Edition. I'm gonna play you a clip from an old trailer. Just say the name of the movie and you get the point. Here comes the clip. Listen closely. Name this movie trailer.
2: i would like to let you drown on that highway. I'd be happy today living in Pittsburgh. Nobody's
0: happy living in Pittsburgh. How are we going to turn into these people?
1: Well, I don't know how it happens. Maybe it's something in the Perrier
0: water. Ryan O'Neill, oh. Shelly Long, and Drew Barrymore.
1: Oh. What do you think? So- Reconcilable Differences,
0: classic, Irreconcilable Differences. Is he right? Damn right, you're right. Irreconcilable Differences. It's funny, we were just talking about uh, movies that maybe no one has seen that are out of date, and yet, this hit my radar for you, because one time in passing, you referenced this movie, Irreconcilable Differences, as being on the Mount Rushmore of divorce movies. Yeah. For no one who saw it, just give me the little dossier A Irreconcilable Differences.
1: Man, I haven't seen it in a while because they don't show it anymore. But it was uh, Drew Barrymore is probably like eight, nine years old. Yeah. And it's post-ET. I think it's her first movie after E.T. And she decides to file for emancipation from her parents because mm-hmm. her parents have lost their minds. And I think they lose their minds because he's like, Ryan O'Neill is like a struggling author. Mm-hmm. And then I think he sells a script or something happens and he becomes like a big week in Hollywood. They're making a movie. And Sharon Stone, yeah, who's smoking hot in the movie, and it's like her her breakthrough performance
0: seven years before Basic Instinct,
1: yeah. And he falls for her. He starts having an affair with her. Yeah. Shelley Long finds out, and they have this ugly divorce, and it's terrible. And Drew Barrymore files for emancipation. It's a Mount Rushmore
0: divorce movie. I gotta say, it's up there. What else is on the Rushmore? Kramer versus Kramer.
2: Yep.
1: Um, Doubtfire. Is that, a, is that a divorce movie, though? Or is that a dude dressing up as a woman with some sort of lesson at the end movie? Like, what, what genre is movie. that? It's, it's really know. bizarre. He's it's putting on strange. seven hours of makeup every
0: day so he could be near his kids. Like, what a psycho. <laughs> it's really—I it's, mean, he's definitely incarcerated for something. Um, I asked you this question. I could have asked you about a million movies. You, like me, I, I came from divorced parents. My parents divorced when I was about six. And it affected me, I think, actually in the long run, in a lot of positive ways that I still feel today. Do you have that too? Like, How, how did it affect you now who you, as you are as an adult and a parent? Well, divorced kids of divorce have better senses of humor. They do? Oh, yeah. I oh, think shit, so. I didn't hear that. You don't believe that? No, I don't know if I don't believe it. I've just never heard it. I, I mean, I'd like to think well, it's true. I think true.
1: We're, we're more tortured and tormented. So I, I think we tend to... Uh, we tend to find humor and everything. And it, if anything, I'm probably, I will go too dark sometimes, mostly in private, not public. But, uh, sometimes my wife would be like, wow, that crossed the line. I'll be like, you're stuck with me. You're, you already, you're, you're with me until I die. You can't say anything. But, uh, no, I do think, I do think kids in divorce, there's some
0: sort of sarcasm that is unique to us. I also think, I think you're more prone to take in a ton of pop culture as a kid. I used. I I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but I used to go to my dad's house on the weekend. And on a Friday afternoon, we, we would go to the Benny's video store before there was Blockbuster and just rent like six movies. And yeah. That's all I would do all weekend is eat pizza and popsicles and play with my dad and watch movies. And I don't think I would have watched that many if I was in a conventional household. Like, did, did that send you down a path of pop culture like you are now? Well, I was an only child, so that was probably even worse. Sure. I, I think if I had had, you know, some sibling to hang out with, probably
1: would have consumed less stuff. But I also, I hit a point where my dad was living in Massachusetts. My mom was living in Connecticut. So you kind of get passed back and forth like cattle. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of adds to the, I need to develop a sense of humor because this is weird. Yeah. I used to get dropped off like at the halfway point between where my mom lived and where my dad lived, like in the exit. It was like exit 67 in someplace yeah. in Connecticut. So yeah. yeah. How do you not have a sense of humor after that?
0: no it's a sense of humor it's calluses and you're right when you got dropped off you're sitting around thinking of caddyshack quotes or terminator or whatever it was that's what it was like books, me, man. yeah. books nintendo like it was oh, yeah. constantly yeah question number five bill you're two for four We're reaching the 50 yard line here your category is music what musician was born edward lewis severinson
1: and That sounds so familiar. Who is it? God damn it. I feel like I should know this.
0: Oh, it's Eddie Vedder. He says Eddie Vedder. Now, Pearl Jam. He's right! Eddie Vedder. Yeah. That's what it was. I knew I knew it. I bring up Eddie for a million reasons. You and I are both huge Pearl Jam fans. I listened to your interview of him and Jeff Ament when the new album came out. You've interviewed everybody. Do you do you get nervous before interviews like that? Especially when it's someone who is someone that you just adore and have consumed for decades. I don't
1: get nervous for interviews. I, I feel like at this point I could interview anybody. Somebody could walk in right now and you could give me two mics. I'd be ready to go. I don't use notes <laughs> any of that stuff. The last time, I don't want to say I got nervous, but I was I was definitely felt a little adrenaline. Was the second time I interviewed Obama. Okay. Which was um for G q in two thousand and fifteen, yeah. only because Obama used to do this home field advantage thing with with when you went to see him. Okay. He would put you in some fucking old room in the White House
0: All right. that
1: was you know three hundred years old of artifacts and paintings and stuff like that, super creaky. You just feel the history everywhere, um every step you took like, it would make a huge noise. And then they would kind of keep you in there and ice you for like the extra 20 minutes. And then he would walk, you know, all of a sudden he you could hear 12 people walking and then he comes in. And it was just so uncomfortable if you were the other person. There's no way to feel normal about that. So this is the most powerful person in the world. I'm playing a road game. I'm in a museum. I'm sitting in this really uncomfortable chair. Um, So I wouldn't say nervous as much as adrenaline. I, I can't remember... Really, the last time I was nervous interviewing somebody, even Larry Bird, I kind of rose to the occasion. I was probably more nervous for Bird than Obama the first time. But when it's going, it's just at some point it's a human interaction. You just got to roll with
0: it. It's pretty nice to get the the sequel interview, isn't it? Like to get the second one, a second Obama interview. You you basically you got greenlit for a sequel. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and I still couldn't figure out how to interview him because he does this filibuster thing, and I knew I should have done it the whole time, but I did a speed round at the end with him. And when it's a speed round, he's forced to answer quickly and totally drop his thing. But when it's more of a long-form interview, he can take his time. He he can just basically filibuster it and chew up 15 minutes with one question. So it's it's like kind of the opposite of what Belichick does. You know, Belichick just like short answers. <laughs> yeah. And the way to interview Belichick, and nobody's figured this out. It's nuts. All of the Massachusetts people. What do you got? All he wants to do is talk about cool football stuff. Yeah. So you go to him and you'd be like, hey, like let's say they're playing the Chargers this week. He'll be like, hey, coach, just as a football fan, I wanted to ask you about that play when Herbert got away from the blitz and and hit that dude way downfield. Like for a rookie to do that, just as somebody who loves football, what did you see on that play? And Belichick will like light up That's like a. It. He wants that. That's all he wants. He just want what he doesn't want is like, tell us what you think about the Chiefs this week. What do you, what do you, how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? All that shit. Like he just doesn't want to. All he wants to do is talk football.
2: You ask it's him so about true. Cam
1: Newton, it'll be like, hey, Bill what surprised you most about coaching cam newton for him as a football player what was his one talent you didn't realize he totally had he'd probably answer for three minutes but nobody <laughs> get, nobody kind of phrases it the right way so he just goes on autopilot but if you saw him on the the thing the thing with Eisen, the the greatest players of all time sure. whatever that yeah. show and
0: it's perfect when, uh, setting for him
1: you saw the ed reed one right that was my favorite oh my gosh one.
0: yeah he almost started crying it's amazing
1: and he was talking about the Ed Reed, how Ed Reed faked out Manning and circled back for the interception. He's yeah. like,
0: greatest play
1: I've ever seen. And he was like a fan. So nobody can tap into that for some reason. It'd be fun to interview him and try to get that side out of him.
0: Yeah, people, it, and then people freak out when he gives a good answer. And it's like, well, because you asked him about Lawrence Taylor. He loves Lawrence Taylor. Like yeah. he wants to just talk about what a great football player. Of course he gave a long answer. Don't ask him if Cam's injured or he's not going to answer it. You're right. Like you just, it's, it's a complete hack. And yet people still don't get it. We do, we do that. The basketball
1: sideline reporters do that too.
0: When they get like, the two questions on TNT or something like yeah, that. If
1: it, yeah. If it was like, if I had Popovich, all I would do is, would be try to get a real answer out of him. I, I always say this on my podcast. I would do the whole, Greg, what, what bottle of wine was that first quarter? <laughs> if you had to compare it to any bottle of wine, he, yeah. he would, he's too competitive not to answer that. He'd be like, ah, it's like a 99 Pinot.
0: Yeah, I got an estate Merlot on my third shelf in the cellar that describes that. I mean, he, he would probably yeah. give you the great answer, but instead it's like, what went wrong in that half? Yeah. It's like, what, do you, what went wrong? <laughs> right.
1: What do you have to do to stop LeBron James? Oh, I, I just figured it out, actually. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> All
0: right, Bill. That is great advice. Please, if you're listening, take that advice. If you're in Boston, especially, or wherever Popovich is right now. Question six is fanboys. You're doing really well. You're three out of five. Like, you're on a good pace. This is multiple choice. In 2001, from my college apartment, I emailed you to say that Billy from Temptation Island looked like what athlete? A, Alex Rodriguez, B, Jason Kidd, or C, Jason Giambi? A-Rod, Kidd, or Giambi? It's Billy from Temptation Island, and I knew you were going to love this, and you were going to put it in the column, and I was going to be so cool. I would
1: say the the funniest answer would be Giambi. So I'm going to go with Jason Giambi.
0: He says Jason Giambi. I said that Billy from Temptation Island looks like Giambi. Is that right? That's not right. I wish it was Giambi. If you do look it up, and I'll send you, I'll text you a picture. He looks a lot like Jason Kidd, like a lot. I really thought this was going to be my ticket Uh, uh, into the column. I didn't use it? You did not use it. No. Oh. But it brings me to this point. All right, Bill, let's say you are at a bar when people go to bars. It's a normal time, and you're with a friend or something, and a dude comes up and taps you on the shoulder. And he's got a Heineken, and he's wearing a Untuckit.com shirt. Guy's about 42. Is it and Pete trigger? <laughs> it's not Pete Trager. <laughs> Pete Schrager would never wear Untuckit.com. He wears Dolce & Gabbana. But this guy's got a Heineken in the Untuckit, and he taps you on the shoulder, and he says, dude, you're Bill Simmons, right? And you go, yeah. And he goes, dude, Finish this sentence. What does that guy say to you?
1: First of all, everybody's always really nice and have been forever. And it's way less interesting than you would think. Uh It's usually people that come up and just say either, love the calm, love the podcast, love Grantland, love the ringer, love 30 for 30. Like they'll have some sort of hook and then they'll, you know, they'll talk. We'll talk about whatever for a minute, but it's usually whatever the question is, is usually related to whatever is going on in sports at that moment. It's never it's never some like dramatic giant big question, like uh-huh. what do you think was in the Pulp Fiction suitcase? Like it's never <laughs> like that. It's more like, hey, do you think the Pats will miss Brady? Hey, do you think the Celts can make the finals? Yeah. Hey, what'd you think about the Lakers getting Davis? It's always tied to something uh, current. Do
0: you know what I find in uh, much more limited exposure, but when they ask you about, hey, what do you think about the Lakers getting Davis? What they're really waiting for is for you to say it, so that they can tell you what they think of the Lakers saying Davis. Right? They're just waiting.
1: No, and really, they just want like some sort of back and forth and to kind of feel me out, I guess, to see if I'm like the person from the pot or the calm. But it's it's them. People don't hang. You know, it's not like they they come and they'll just like they're now they're joining the people I'm with. Like they're
0: oh everyone's always really nice. You don't have this, so like, so where are we going to next? We, what, what's next? Like, what, no. let's hang out.
1: <laughs> now, no, Bo- Boston's the only place where um they'll try to rope you in this stuff in Boston. Yeah, they'll be like, come on, do one shot with us. Like, uh-huh. uh, it's a little uh-huh. aggro. It's like stuff like that. <laughs> now I'm too old. They probably would yeah. Have you doing don't
0: want to do the shot now. Like, you're, you're nah. having a drink with friends. You're just talking. Like. Then you got to say no to the shot, and that's so fucking annoying, and there's no easy way to do it, but you have to do it. And if you do the shot, you're like, I hate that I'm doing the shot. I don't want to do this. I have to go home. I have to deal with my kids tomorrow. But then how do you handle it? Well, it's also the cell phone era changed
1: everything. So you can't really make mistakes anymore after too many, you know, where you're like playing pool and falling over in the pool table. You can't do any of that stuff. So I think anybody – who is even remotely well-known enough to have a video sent of them to a sports blog, you have to be careful now. It's a bummer. I remember the last time I didn't care was Jacoby and Rember and I went to Boston for NABJ. And then um, just, we were there for two days coming off the collector's convention. And I took them to this bar that I used to go to all the time. And the bartender that I loved was actually there. And we just ended up getting absolutely slammered with him and it was one of those nights and that's the next day you kind of wake up and you're like oh man that was probably a mistake i and, and you are kind of googling like oh, i say anything is there any video no thank god it was like one of those that was probably the trending? last time i did
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> god what happened well you are three out of six you have four questions left we're gonna rattle them off so if you get all four of them right you can tie paul rudd for the high score Alright, if you get any of I just want to beat Steve Smith. I just need one. Question seven, your category is commercials. Both Sam Elliott and Robert Mitchum voiced what slogan for the National Livestock and Meat Board.
1: God damn it. I used to know this. The thing is, like 10 years ago, I would have been crushing
2: these.
1: I just Sorry, bud. Man,
0: Sam Elliott and Robert Mitchum both voiced the slogan. It was for the National Livestock and Meat Board. Iconic slogan.
1: I can't remember. I don't have an answer. Are you going to? I'll say tough meat. I'm not going to. Tough
0: meat. Tough meat is not correct, but you can picture him to that beautiful Aaron Copeland music. Sam Elliott and Robert Mitchum saying, Beef, it's what's for dinner. You remember Beef, it's what's for dinner? Yeah, that that one. If, if. Shit. Okay. I thought you would know that one. That was huge. Those commercials were yeah, everywhere. I'm, you, I'm <laughs> washed
1: up with stuff like this.
0: There was a time in my life when gone? I would have
1: crushed all of this. Hey, just get old. It's like being an athlete. You
0: I don't think remember having this a stuff file. You had that beef, it's what's for dinner file somewhere and then it, it was just like deleted or corroded or something because I, I relate to that too.
1: I think your brain is like a nightclub and it's just got a capacity of X and once you fill it, but then new stuff goes in, other stuff just leaves.
0: I, there's a fire hazard otherwise. It has to leave. Yeah. I reason I ask about beef you here and there over the years, have either engaged or gotten pulled into Twitter beef of one kind or another. I think you have a if from where I'm standing, I feel like you have a new relationship with Twitter. What is it right now, and how's it going? How do you use Twitter and how's it changed I'm just off. I, off I i i uh I think a lot of people feel like
1: Twitter is too toxic. Most people, if you talk to anybody about Twitter they're like yeah twitter's terrible mm-hmm. it's so toxic, but then everybody goes on it all the time and I found like I was on it more to get news and stuff like that but then you know getting sucked into other stuff and reading people pretending they felt certain ways and pandering to whatever the subject of the day was and I was just like I'm out.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's I ended up bookmarking probably 25 sites something like that and um in the morning I'll wake up and I'll just rip through all the sites. And that's how I get stuff. And guess what? I don't miss anything. Like, I really don't. If anything happens, I'm going to find out. I'll find out from Apple News. I'll find out from one of my friends, something like that. But I feel like I've gained all this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have an extra 90 minutes a day that, you know, or maybe more that, um, you know, that I, I honestly really need it because I'm pretty busy. So from that standpoint, um, I've noticed that I'm doing a lot more, like, like I'm definitely reading more real stuff. Reading more books than I did. And it was like this Twitter suckled that just to get rid of that and replace it with like anything more productive was probably my best trade of 2020.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. You, you sound jealous, yourself? right? Really jealous because I'm an idiot. Like I'll at a stoplight, I'll stop there and I'll like scroll through Twitter while I'm driving at the stoplight and I'll be like, can you imagine? if I accelerate and got in a car accident because I'm looking at some tweet about the Falcons from Will Brinson on CVS. What the fuck am I doing on this? because right. I'm an addict. I'm a junkie. And I can't. Bro. I feel like you, you are free and clear now.
1: What about like the 12 minutes you spend trying to craft the perfect tweet? <laughs> yeah. like, for what end? And then the other thing about Twitter is it's like all downside and no upside. I don't know. How many don't times do people just fire off the one tweet? They have to apologize. They have to delete the it. They, they're they in like some sort of thing. I know it happened to me a bunch of times and I I look back, you know, especially like when I was at ESPN, I remember I got one time I was, um, I was upset because first take had Skip Bayless debate somebody who came on and it got really personal with Skip Bayless and this other person. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, it was an athlete. Was it Richard
0: Sherman or Terrell Suggs? Richard
1: Sherman. That's what it was.
0: Yeah. Richard Richard Sherman Sherman told Skip that I'm better at life than you. It's a memorable moment.
1: Yeah. And, and they really went at it for 10 minutes and it wasn't like entertaining. It wasn't fun. It was just kind of, I don't know. It, and at that point, the company was in such a good place. We were doing so many creative things. It's like, why do we have this? And I remember doing a tweet about it. Like, man, that nobody won that. Everybody loses. Like ESPN loses. Those two guys lose. Like, what was the point of that? And they got really upset about it. And the reality is I probably shouldn't have tweeted it. Like, what, what was the upside for me? What am I? Cause I'm going like, what, what am I doing? Um, so you look at stuff like that and you're like, what's the upside? There is none.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. You chase the rabbit, though. The retweets and the likes and like, wow, Simmons nailed it. And it's intoxicating. But I would think someone of your stature is like, that's, it's, it's a smoke in a joint. I don't need that anymore. Like, I'm, I, I've found other things. And honestly, you said I'm jealous. The way I'm, I am. I'm totally jealous of you. It's like you found religion and I want to find Jesus, too. I got to work on that. Jesus Christ. Three questions left. And the question number eight is fascinating. There's a lot of debate amongst the 10 question staff about is Simmons going to get this or not? And it was very split down the middle. This category is finished the lyric. I'm going to play for you a popular song. You're going to hear someone sing for about 20 seconds and then it's going to stop on a dime. You have to recite what the lyric is going to be after the stop. Okay, this is going to be bad for me. Uh, let's see Tyron Matthew got Michael Jackson Aaron Andrews got New Kids on the Block Aaron Rodgers got the Scorpions let's find out what Bill Simmons gets Bill finish this lyric
1: and it pains me
0: I don't know it. Hit it. I don't really, know. You know this. I know you've heard it. I, I bet know. you sung it in your car. You don't, nothing, no, nothing at all. No, no, nothing's ringing a bell. The song is by Nelly Furtado. Yep. Guys, play the payoff line. I'm like a
1: bird. I don't want to die away. Like oh, I know bird. this song.
0: I, yeah. Of course you do.
1: I just <laughs> didn't catch the lead up to it. Man, of all the cheesy songs from that era, that was the one you picked? i
0: And this is the point of every episode where the contestant says, why the hell are you asking me that? And I reveal, uh, I'm asking you about I'm Like a Bird because I want to ask you about your sports idol. And yes. how, how do you possibly look at a kid, a young person now, and <laughs> describe to them... Why Larry Bird was such a badass and such a legend? It's it's got to be tough. He looks a little ridiculous. His game has certainly not doesn't gel with the game now. Like Larry Bird, I know is your guy. If you were to go to a ten year old right now and be like, "Dude, sit down. I'm gonna tell you why Larry Bird was amazing." How do you even go about that?
1: You know, it's funny. I take when during the uh, pandemic, when Hardwood Classics was showing all these games, I just started taping them on my uh on my direct tv dvr so i have like a yeah. hundred games awesome um because i you know who knows never know if i want to do another book someday or whatever um so my son and i we were so bored the other day and he's like put one of those basketball games you want and, and we put on 1991 pacers celtics and i was like you gotta watch this one this is so bird's wearing a 30 pound back brace he's <laughs> just about washed up at this point Sure. he can't move it's it's near the end. But the great thing about him was like his last year, he still averaged like 21 points a game. He couldn't fucking move. He was in like mm-hmm. traction. Um, so in this game, it was, a, it was a do or die game five, second quarter. He dives for a loose ball and hits his head and seems like he gets knocked out and walks off and he's not seen again. So I'm showing it to my son. who knows nothing about anything. And Bird goes down. He's like, oh my God, that was bad. He's gone. He's like, dude, do you have a concussion? I'm like, just wait go to the third quarter and the game's going on. There's like five minutes in the third quarter. And then the wide shot, you see bird come out of the tunnel and the crowd goes absolutely apeshit. And he comes in and he takes over the game for the third quarter. And he's like, just kind of turns into Larry bird again. And we watched the whole quarter. My son was like, that was amazing. I can't believe that happened. I was like, that's Larry bird. That was Uh, the kind of shit. He was like a superhero to us. And you know, I'm sure the Lakers feel the exact same way about magic. about Magic. I yeah. know the Bulls fans feel the same way about Michael, and I know the Cleveland Miami fans have the LeBron stories too. But that's why those are the greatest players of all time.
0: See, Bill, you're right. You're like Belichick right now. Like, don't ask Belichick about Nelly Furtado. Just ask him about basketball. Like, just <laughs> ask him about Larry Bird and watch him cook. I mean, it's incredible. But, well, I always thought when somebody's kind of. On the tail
1: end, you learn a lot about them career-wise, which will be interesting because LeBron hasn't hit that point yet. Mm-hmm. He's still physically, you know, so good still. But he's going to hit a point like, you know, and hits people different ways. Kobe ended up just getting hurt and was never really the same when it happened to him. But or I'll be Brady, interested though. to see. Yeah, Brady, you know, you think like Looks the good. Brady, the Rams Super Bowl. Yeah. Because I think he, he, he had started a tail down. But then was able to summon it with Gronk for the game winning drive, that, basically. Yeah. But they, you know, they were doing nothing that whole game. But uh, I like when the people dig deep. Favre was an underrated one in 09
0: with, with, the, uh, with the Vikings. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. He, he was just for the worst interception of all time. That's all people remember. But he was hitting Percy Harvin all over the field and he was great. I mean, really, really good that year. But the problem is they, they that was the bounty year. Yes, that was the bounty year.
1: And, and Farva gets the absolute shit kicked out of him in that game. So then yeah. he throws the interception. Then it's like, well, maybe because the nine cheap hits that they gave him during the game that might have
0: contributed. <laughs> maybe it was Jonathan Vilma actually jumping off a turnbuckle that they set up at center field. Right, seriously. Bar. It was really tough. But, Billy, we have some drama here, some Farvian drama. You are three for eight. You said you want to beat Steve Smith. You have to get one of the final two questions. Well, you're
1: giving me like Nelly Furtado and
0: Minions <laughs> and Jesus. This is the way the show works. I'm like a bird. It's bird, Larry Bird. Here we go. Question nine. category is social media. Maybe not the kind you're thinking though. During the 2000s MySpace era, how many friends were you allowed to showcase as your favorite or your top friends? How many? Yeah, man. I didn't do MySpace. No MySpace profile.
1: No, I didn't. Never did it. It was hot, man. I, I was I don't know why I think I was probably in my mid-30s at that point it just seemed yeah I just think I missed it it was the first one I was just out on
0: in yeah, retrospect in
1: solid decision by me
0: great decision it's now the abandoned amusement park of social media and you, and you never jumped in there and yet it's still I'm gonna for say, that frozen moment how many I'm gonna say seven Bill says you could pick your top seven friends is he right guys Bill, you're not right. It's the top eight. You could be in somebody's top eight. Just missed it. You were really, really close. We're going to have some real drama with question Mm -hmm. 10. And I'm I'm just going to let you dance and see if you can beat Steve Smith. But quickly, rapid fire, like you did with Obama. Social media, MySpace was about your favorite friends in your top eight. I want to do a rapid fire favorites from you because I don't know a lot of the answers to these. Bill, what is your answer if someone says to you, what is your favorite movie? Probably Shawshank. You like Shawshank better than Boogie Nights? Yeah, uh, it's, okay. it's close. Shawshank. Bill, what, who is your favorite all-time non-Boston athlete? Favorite all-time non-Boston athlete? Oh, uh, John McEnroe. John McEnroe. Oh, that's a great answer. Love Mac. Thank you. Uh, all, favorite all-time video game of any era?
1: It's a tough one to narrow down, but I'll, I will say uh, tech Bowl.
0: The original with four plays or Super technical Bowl with eight plays? The four-play technical Bowl. God bless you. God bless my favorite video game of all time, too. It was all really I need great. is four plays, baby. <laughs> it was really
1: great. There was a whole chess level to it. We had it in college. Yep. You basically had a 25% chance every play of blowing up the other guy's play. It was a whole other level of mental everything.
0: One of the all-time dick moves that a friend could do playing video games is if you're allowed to be the Raiders, your friend will select bo's play on every single play so you can't run with bo and you have to go with marcus allen or pass with jay schrader it's one of the all-timers were you a bo guy or did you play with sweetness or i just guess grogan was in that game with the patriots wasn't he it's pretty
1: rough the patriots i mean one of the ironies of what happened this century is the page it just sucks so much to be a patriot fan right down to the video games we were terrible <laughs> in video games all it's the terrible. time every year Sometimes we weren't even in the video games. There were video (laughs) games they weren't even in, like where they would just have like 15, 16 teams, stuff like that. And I remember, um, I think the year after we made the Super Bowl in 96, whatever that Madden was that year, and we had uh, like Terry Glenn was good and Coates was amazing. Curtis Martin. Bledsoe was really good. And we finally had like a really good video. So we had lost the Super Bowl, but I still felt like we won Uh because the Pats were like finally good in video. And then, uh, nice. yeah, I, you'd always end up like, even with the Pats, you'd always end up having to swing illegal trades, do all kinds of things just to make them competent oh, sure. if you want to play a season stuff like that.
0: And last one, a favorite porn star, favorite porn star, Jesus, any era, male, female, anything at all, just the one that you, you just get a kick out of in any way you choose to go with it. <laughs> to get a kick out of well for example like my friends and i used to always laugh about like randy west or peter north or like that type you know it's not like the ones who like get me hot but like we just have so many jokes about those guys <laughs> it,
1: i it has to be peter north peter north has brought the most comedy material i think uh beyond his his obvious attributes but the the comedy that that dude brings
0: no, it's, incredible it keeps going probably, and going
1: yeah probably transcends generations
0: Here's the deal, this is question 10. It is the last question, it is essay form. What that means is, I have found a take of yours from history, recent history, past history. You have to just stand by that take to me in 30 seconds, a minute, whatever you want, and explain why you're right about that take. If I think your essay qualifies, I give you the point. If I don't, you tie Steve Smith with a three out of 10. This is to beat Steve Smith Sr. Bill, during a recent episode of the Rewatchables covering the film, Back to the Future, You were highly negative on Thomas F. Wilson's portrayal of Biff Tannen, saying Zabka would have been better, Biff was kind of a miss. Defend this highly, highly polarizing take of a beloved, iconic 80s character. So Biff just never clicked with me.
1: But after I had the take, I think you make mistakes sometimes where you don't personally like somebody, but you also underestimate how much other people like them. That really made people mad, including Fennessy. Fennessy got mad during the podcast that I missed on Biff. My take was like, all right, well, Biff never went on to do anything. Imagine like a real actor in that part. Maybe, maybe Biff was actually the part that was so great, put a real actor in there, he blows it up. But I think I underestimated people just like, like Biff. They don't want another actor in there, which I get because I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, Billy Jacoby and just one of the guys.
0: Here's why I relate to this. and Here's why I think that's a good answer. When you and I did the Teen Wolf rewatchables, we were really hard on Boof. Boof, we thought, was annoying. It's just constantly peckering, peckering. And then after it gets released, you know, this, this Boof hive comes out of nowhere on Twitter and says, you guys were way too cruel on Boof. So I respect your answer for admitting that you might have been wrong and that Biff Tannen was fantastic. And I'm giving you the point, Bill. I'm I appreciate am giving that. you the point for that essay, which means you beat Steve Smith Sr. Thank God. And you have finished the 10 questions. Holy shit, that was really dramatic.
1: By the way, the Boo 5, one more yeah. reason to get off Twitter. There's a Boo 5. <laughs>
0: Yeah, never mind that it corrodes you psychologically or leads to cyberbullying. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who like boof, so just get the hell off Just, so just run. Run for your lives. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Bill, the last thing you have to do, or we ask you to do, we end every episode with a challenge or a call-out. You have to think of uh, one or two, however many you want, public figures who you think would thrive in this format and would be very competitive about their score and who would do really well? It's run the gamut. Anybody you can think of, from from Patrick Mahomes to Jack Black to Joe Buck. Who do you, who would you like to call out at the end of this episode? Charlize Theron. Talk to her right now.
1: Talk to her. Charlize, you came on my podcast once. Um, it was pro- I wasn't nervous, but it was probably it definitely rattled everybody when you walked in the room. There's a lot there, though. There's there's a lot. People just see the beautiful actress, but we found out that you're a huge backgammon person. You'd like to bet on backgammon. You're a big reality TV person. There's a lot of layers. I think you would be good in 10 questions.
0: It's unbelievably great answer. Bill did not get nervous interviewing President Obama twice, but a little nervous on Charlize, just a little nervous on the Atomic Blonde Bill, it's tough. thank you for doing it, this, dude. It's this tough was... to be
1: in the same room with her. Much like it's tough to be in the same room with you. Same kind of nervous energy.
0: Is that really the same exact <laughs> no, thing? No, I trying to suck <laughs> up to you at the end. Uh, awesome, awesome <laughs> job. We covered a lot of ground. Unbelievably cool. And I know that we bust balls and everything, but just let me have my one moment of, of earnest emotion. I've told you this before you are a big reason i do what i do i've read you and followed you for years so to be able to have you on my show was unbelievably awesome and uh we got to talk about a lot of cool shit too thank you bill
1: appreciate it thanks for having me on
0: that's bill simmons four out of ten and probably the greatest call out at the end of the show to charlize theron who if my producers are worth anything are already reaching out to charlize we love you bill we love you more than thank you so much Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale, Steve Allman, and Jackson Safan. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.